Hello, you're listening to a spoiler-filled film conversation. Hooray! Heart and soul, I fell in love with you, heart and soul. The wheels on the bus go round and round, round and round. (laughs) Round and round the wheels on the bus go careening off a bridge and all the passengers die and their spirits go into a child who's just been born. It's a Christmas miracle. Oh, it wasn't Christmas. Um, or a miracle. Hooray. Um, hello, welcome to the podcast again, all for the first time. Uh, I am Richard. Uh, with me to discuss a movie is Abby. Hello. And Anthony. Hello. And this week, as I am attempting to foreshadow, is a film about a bus crash and the hilarious. Yay. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and the hilarious ghostly consequences of said crash. So, hooray. Now you can hooray, Abby. Hooray! Yeah, um, it was Anthony's pick, so he can give the details and then uh, you can find out why he picked it. Uh, yes, we are watching Heart and Souls. It is a comedy melodrama film released in 1993, and it follows the, the antics of four ghost spirits uh, from the 1950s who find themselves tethered to a young boy and only able to interact with him. But after causing him a number of problems in his childhood, they decide to remain invisible, silently observing him into adulthood. However, 30 years later, when they discover the reason for their predicament, they must now enlist their grown-up haunty, for lack of a better word, to help them fulfill their final wishes. It was directed by Ron Underwood, uh, written by Brent Maddock, S.S. Wilson, Gregory Hansen, and Eric Hansen. And it stars Robert Downey Jr., Eric Lloyd, Kira Sedgwick, Charles Grodin, Alfred Woodard, Tom Sizemore, Elizabeth Shue, uh, David Paymer, uh, Kurtwood Smith, Lisa Lucas, and Richard Portnow. Well, it is a hell of a premise. <laughs> And as you said before doing the pod, it's very hard to make it sound like it's not a horror film based on the concept. <laughs> it was so hard coming up with a synopsis, but didn't make it sound like some sort of evil possession thing going on. It's because it was kind of evil. It was a little bit evil. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty... I mean, it's horrible in every way, except they, as if they don't act like it's horrible. But it is horrible. I mean, it does, uh, it's kind of a precursor to the film, uh, sorry, it's kind of a precursor to the hilarious sitcom Ghosts, which uh, I think has a very similar premise, not quite as convoluted, but uh, has many people tethered to uh, one person who can interact with the ghosts. Um, You know, I think the sitcom Ghosts runs with it really well. This, I think, gets a bit bogged down in what they can and can't do and what it's for and when what they should do with this uh, novel situation. But, hey, we'll, we'll deal with it. Uh, Anthony, why did you pick this film for us? 
This was a film I used to watch a long time ago. Like, it's just one of those films you watched as a kid, like, over and over again. And... Like I, it's one, it's one of those, it's just, just surprising. I like I hadn't seen it in God knows like twenty years, and I just, it just, I just I had a memory of it the other day, and it was like weirdly fully formed. It wasn't just like a, I, I kind of remember this film with Robert Downey Jr. and Ghosts. It was like no, I remember this whole film all of a sudden after twenty years. So I, I kind of wanted to watch it again. You were possessed. In in a way, you might say yes. The film had been following you around silently for twenty years, <laughs> and then suddenly was really urgently telling you, "You've got to watch me too. You have unfinished business." <laughs> kind of. Well, you know, you know me. Every time I have like a vague memory of something that I watched when I was a kid, it's like it's it's like a a tiny scrap of something, and I have to like dig for it for ages. Yes. But this one came back fully formed. I, I was actually surprised how much I remembered. When I was watching it, so this isn't like that film we watched because you remembered a blue ring, and then it was like a complete <laughs> dorpy fantasy with, with nothing much to do with the ring. Um, okay, well, I can't believe you watched this before. I'd never heard of it, like not even peripheral, not even vaguely. It was absolutely unfamiliar to me. Um, it's become it's become quite obscure. It's like there's not much about it. How's yeah. that like? There were shitter things at the time that have been remembered. It's true. It's like it's got. I think I don't want to go too far ahead into <laughs> our, our um, talk of the film, but I think that's kind of what it is. It's like it's not, it's not great, but it's also not terrible. So it's just kind of like a, a very passable film that people probably watched, enjoyed, and was like, yeah, okay. It's our favourite place, the forgotten middle ground. Mm. Yeah, well, people often dig out old films people are in. Like, Downey Jr. obviously was in it before he was a megastar, before Iron Man uh, rescued him, as it were. Um, and, you know, I don't know, Groening, he's quite famous for being in other comedy movies of a similar type. He's a lot of uh, grumpy dads. Is he he's the dad in Beethoven, I want to say? He yes. is. You know, so he's he's in my nineties memory um, of this sort of thing, um, but I haven't. Yeah, no, there's nothing. File empty till now. Seen it now, <laughs> uh, so I didn't have any expectation other than it probably wouldn't be great because it isn't a cherished Downey Junior classic that people talk about. Uh, but like you say, it isn't good or bad enough. That people go, oh, you like fucking Downey Jr. Watch this trash he was in. It's not like an embarrassment for him. If anything, it sort of shows off his abilities to, uh, you know, pretend to be other people, I guess. <laughs> Jump around on a desk like he's fighting a ghost. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Abby, had you heard of this or seen it before? No, I knew nothing about this. If it's completely new to me. What were you expecting from it? Well, Downey Jr.'s early career has a reputation for being up and down. So I was... I was quietly hopeful that it would be an up. But knew that it was no guarantee. Ah, well... um, 
heart and souls. It doesn't roll off the tongue. You have to remember where the S goes. There isn't two of them. You might want to go heart and soul. You might want to go hearts and souls. I don't know. Um, which sounds like a really horrible restaurant concept. Just selling fish and awful dishes. Hearts and souls. <laughs> mm. But yeah, heart. What is that? What's the pun here? the The phrase "heart and soul" is to put a lot of effort into something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they played a song of the same name in the film. The film, uh, but they don't song. sing it. The song being "Heart and Soul." That's the song, not "Heart and Souls," right? Mm. What's the one they sing? Like "Walk Like a Man." They sing that a lot, don't they? They do. They have a little dance sometimes. Yeah, I think it's just because that was popular in the fifties. Yes. What? Well, uh, when was this set? Sorry, nineteen ninety. It was made in the early nineties. Yeah, it was. It was released in ninety three. So we say late eighties, early nineties. It was say late eighties. Quite half, quite maybe. late. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. You know the late eighties, nineteen ninety one. You know the not eighties. Um. So yeah, going back to the fifties. Um. It, that that's something that gets visited a bunch, you know, something something like Teen Angel, um, uh, the Back to the Future movie. You know, people like to go. Let's go to the fifties. Uh, at some point, it was when people's parents were from, uh, not so much anymore. But um, you know, people it's like to... ancestral now, isn't it? That's like... it's all our ancestors, right? I mean, grandparents. No, but it's for some people. Yeah, I'm not sure there'd be. There's probably not many people left now who actually remember the fifties. Well, my parents. Like, they may do. have been. They were very young. So I, they I think they're overstated. There's plenty of old people who remember the fifties. Not say so, like, the forties, <laughs> maybe not. The forties, we got a few old codgers, but the fifties, people remember the fifties. They're just old, Abby. You know, like okay. their grandparents, great grandparents, or in my case, parents. But whereas in the 90s, people were having 50s nostalgia, here in the 2020s, we're having 90s nostalgia. So we can... Do not upset me. In that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, it's basically as far as the 90s to the 20s. Why have you done this? <laughs> Why have you done this? I don't know. I, I just think... Um, for me, having a bunch of characters from the fifties was an instant loser for me because I fucking I'm not on board with the fifties. I don't like movies that are very very fifties, like so about teenagers, like um, American Graffiti or something. It's all oh diners and racing cars and being privileged white people or whatever. I don't care about the fifties music scene. I don't care about that part of Americana, and I, I find it very hard that, to though... watch. I think part of that, though, is because they were all, like, 30, so you could never really buy into it. Well, in Greece, yeah, like, like 1950s, 30-year-olds, uh, you know, being teenagers. It's a weird time period, especially the way it's remembered. Because, uh, you know, the cinema in the 50s uh, was not too bad. We had noir movies still being made. and Noir? Noir. Yeah, <laughs> West Country, uh, the Wurzels movies, the Noirs, where they have a mystery about a tractor or something, and who's stolen the cider? Uh, no, 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 no. There are there are some good films in the in the fifties, but 
the fifties movies aren't all like uh, malt shakes and hot rods, are they? You know. No. Anyway, I, that my I'm just not a big fan of the decade. Whenever it comes up, there are plenty other decades to enjoy. Uh, so anyway, that was a for me. I don't. There wasn't a heap of reasons why it was the fifties either. There's nothing that relevant to it, was it? Other than it was weirder that a thirty year old that in the in the then present would be having ghosts from the past. Yeah, the only uh, reason they had to be fifty is because the age Robert Downey Jr. is. Yeah, there was this, but there was, it wasn't like their problems weren't particular to the fifties. Their their help to Robert or hindrance to Robert Downey Jr. wasn't. In any way informed by the era they were in, it could have kind of been any period they were from. It wasn't that important, is it? No, not in the grand scheme of things. So, if they are thinking of doing a remake, they can annoy Abby by doing a nineties version, <laughs> and it would work <laughs> perfectly. All right. Well, so let's let's deal with this concept then, uh, Anthony. You articulated it there, uh, but it is quite bizarre. The movie sets us up with four characters uh, that were that are going to become ghosts. So it's setting them up as people in the fifties with an issue, at least, or something going on in their life. Uh, does, do you guys want to describe each of them? So they intercut together uh, some scenes involving involving Thomas's parents when his mother is in labour with him and his dad is taking her to the hospital. The auditions for Harrison I've already forgotten their names. Help me. The well, one who, Harris, in... well, who is Harrison? You're just saying Harrison. It's like a, a guy with a brown hat. A white guy with a brown hat was a bit shy. He's, he's trying to do a singing audition and he fails. Then you have the lady calling in her children from the street. What was her name? Uh, Penny. Penny. Then you have the blonde working in the bar. Julia. What's her problem? She was working in the Purple Onion. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they had Bob Newhart playing, uh, doing some cat comedy. And then it turns out that that was his son playing him. Like Robert Newhart, Newhart played his son, uh, played his father. Doing his stand-up routine where he's like, you know, talking to a fictional form. Good comedian. I do like. I would have rather watched a film just about Bob Newhart. Very, very cute. Yeah, but it uh, sets the scene in the Purple Onion, was it? They don't set up what her thing is very well. Like why she's in the city, as opposed to being in the country with that guy. Yeah, she's like putting off having a serious relationship with her boyfriend. Hmm. But he's bought you... eight, he's bought six hundred acres of land, and has asked her to come along and be my wife or something. And she's like, "Oh, give it a minute." And then he's like, instantly, "Fuck off, then! I'm not waiting anymore for you, bitch. I fucking bought a farm. Goodbye." He's got Milo doing a robbery, and he's a oddly quiffed man. Who's nicking some stamps that he accidentally nicked already? Is it <laughs> essentially? And eventually, yeah, he the his thing is he stole from a child. That's the only bit you need to understand from that early bit. They all end up on the same bus together, 
which is involved in the same accident as Thomas's parents in their car, which was caused by a completely different man feeling up some woman in a red dress in his own <laughs> car, minding his own business. Well, the man feeling up the leg didn't do anything wrong, uh, apart from possibly get a bit too fresh with this woman. The he guy who did wrong was the bus, the bus driver. driver. Mm. He didn't knowingly distract the bus driver. I'm not blaming the couple who were getting... Oh, no, absolutely not. He had every right to feel up that woman's leg if he wasn't causing any problems with his driving. No, I mean, maybe it's a bit dangerous. Have your hands at 10 and... Uh, what was it? 4 and 10 or 5 and... Something or other. Have your hands on the wheel. You know, not the gusset of a woman. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the bus driver's like, oh, I think I'll stop paying attention to driving and Look at this sexy woman's legs. Oh, no. It's I a proper it <clears throat> moment. Oh. Oh, the gripping of the steering wheel. <laughs> Jamming the uh, gear stick hard in his ass. Sorry. <laughs> oh, baby. <clears throat> so, it's your classic uh, bus driver's a pervert car accident. Uh, not car accident. I mean, it's a bus slash trolley. Yeah, no, it is. It does involve a car, I guess. Anyway, they fucking careen yeah, off a bridge, I think, is it? I actually yeah. quite like that stunt. Oh, it looked all right. Good. And that means um, that all of the people, as like a, their spirits are above the bus and then float off really awkwardly. But then the bus driver shits off straight away. And for some reason, the four remaining people go get sucked into the newly born child, is it? Yes, it's established why later. Let's call it an administrative error for the time being. So Thomas is being born at this point. His mum's had a car accident. I was like, right, I'm not, not being funny, but I'm having the baby now. <laughs> we don't even have time to react to the scary thing that happened. I'm, I am not... I'm not going to hold on to this child a second longer. It's happening. Not that you can hold on like it's a big poo. I'm not saying we're pregnant <laughs> women, uh, you know, but I'd be a bit, I might, I, you know, the childbirth might take a five minutes just to, just to calm down from the crash. But no, no, she's like, no. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'll hold off on my opinion on what I think of these various ghosts and stuff, but, um, Anthony, you remember it vividly. You've seen it a few times. What's the deal with this ghost premise? Are you are you liking this idea? Uh, yes. Okay. Well, do, you, do you see any issues with it? Do you, do you not? Is it is it one of those things you're not meant to question it? It's just a, a premise to work with. Or are you kind of lenient on it like that? Uh, is it just a classic trope or what? Um, if you th- if, if you think well, it's the same thing with all most movies. If you think about it too hard, it's like this 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 could be like at one point they do say like maybe this is hell, just being stuck Bottom. within well like five meters at all times of this child. It would be my idea of hell to be permanently tethered to a baby. <laughs> It's essentially a 30-year sentence of being tethered to a one-person episode of Big Brother. You're just like, I guess, we can't leave him, but all we can do is watch this person's life. Like what, like that thing of what do we do when he's sleeping? 
like to the ghost can the ghosts can develop like the ghosts all have 30 years to get to know each other they should really know each other in and out and be sick of each other and and if it gained experience because they've seen 30 years of history unfold albeit through one guy's life yet they're still as derpy as they ever were i think i would have forgotten my problem after 30 years of being dead you know i mean they, they essentially do forget their problem <laughs> And that's kind of the problem, in as it turns out. Very little urgency from them. I mean, as well. they they do, you know, they make the best of it. You know, they, they you can see that they they like the kid and they like to play with him, and they they trying to give him advice where they can and keep him amused. Sure. Yeah, they sort of take it on. They're like um, my four babysitters who I can never escape from. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's really weird. I mean. I get, the thing, in terms of like uh, what's going on, I guess the rule we're using here is when people die and they have unfin- unfinished business, they have to finish that business to ascend to the, the afterlife that we're not going to get into because, oh, let's not say outright they go to heaven or hell or whatever. It's kind of a bit, if you think about it, what we're presented with, they could easily be going to hell on this bus when they're all finished with their business on Earth. Like, they're just trapped souls. It doesn't mean they get to go into heaven. I mean, they're all a little bit afraid to go initially, so, you know. Well, I think there's a good chance they go down. Satan's the one watching them. Uh, And they're avoiding a problem there. But it doesn't get into where they go in the afterlife. Just that there is an afterlife. Don't think about it. Um, and uh, it's the rule of ghosts of unfinished business, which is pretty stupid, unfinished business, because who the fuck dies having finished all their business? Yeah, like, but there's important unfinished business, and then there's unimportant unfinished business. Oh, the the important unfinished business of someone else needs to get a girlfriend that they commit to. That was Yeah, that one. was shit. That bit. The unfinished business of, I hope my kids are all right, now I'm dead. Yeah. Brilliant. I have to do a yeah. song. A pretty shit business. <laughs> All of them, really. Oh, some stamps need to go back to the owner. Who gives a fuck? That's not caught. Like the the bus driver, he'd finished all of his business. He'd had a lovely phone conversation with all of his relatives, finished his tax form, uh, tidied up his room, and then he took his bus trip. So he could ascend instantly because he didn't have any unfinished business. It's just a weird rule. I don't. I mean, it's a common trope of ghost movies that you know you're trapped repeating something eternally. Uh, you know, because that's scary. I guess. Eh, it's just a bit whatever, isn't it? Whatever they're here, get used to it. I suppose the other aspect that uh, is called into question is the psychology of Thomas. He's a small child. He has four what what get termed imaginary friends, who are in fact ghosts that are like you know just playing with him as you say, Anthony, and hanging out, giving him advice. Uh, yeah, so because he talks to them, he comes across as psychologically damaged, possibly schizophrenic, right? Got issues, mm. and they are giving him issues. I mean, even if he's not mentally ill, then they're real. You know, they're fucking his life up. This No one should be dealing with four adult people constantly within five feet of you, should they? <laughs> I suppose no. 
and they do, you know, they do realize what they're doing after a while, and realize that they, you know, have to stop and just become silent observers so he can get on with his life. I was that a bit... kid did a pretty good job of being distraught that they were leaving him. I I will I will say I was quite upset by that scene. <laughs> I was actually like, oh my god, this is actually one of the saddest things I've ever seen. That kid would easily change his tune when he becomes an adolescent and he can't whack off without there being four adults staring at him all the time. <laughs> like what a hindry. You can't even think of any shits they've watched him have. I mean, he doesn't know about it once they decide. What do they do? Decide they're going to start bothering him, or be they're going to be invisible because you, ghosts, can choose that. I guess is that right? What? How do they come? Yeah, to they choose to be invisible and silent. Just, but they don't put it into these words. But basically, so he doesn't get put into an sailor asylum. Just like all of our dead grandparents are permanently with us, silently watching, <laughs> judging our every move. But will never tell us. Just no matter what you do, no matter how quietly you think you're picking your nose or doing something deviant, there's your fucking dead relatives all staring at you. <laughs> Probably for the best. We don't know about it. I don't know. It would have been kind of fun to see him grow up with these ghosts. But I, I know. I guess they thought the funny premise here is: what if when you're thirty odd? some childhood ghosts come back and you have to deal with them. And I'm like, I don't know. Do we have to go... These ghosts have 30 years of silently watching you trapped. I mean, there's torture for them. It's weird. It's just like, they didn't learn anything. They didn't even know they could possess him or other people, right? Is it? Yeah, they were supposed to get a message from an angel and the angel never showed up. That's the administrative error I mentioned earlier. Is this a kind of wonder, it's a wonderful life type admin error in heaven sort of thing going on? Mm. Oh shit, we weren't meant to something or other. Is it that one or is there another film about a a shot down airman? Airman? Airman, Like a military guy who's shot down in that. What's that film? Anyone see that one? Like um, Life and Death? A Matter of Life and Death, yeah. Where it's again a little oopsie doopsie. You are not meant to be alive now. So that, you know, f- four people don't learn anything. And they mostly just lounge about casting, uh, you know, having opinions on Thomas's life without him knowing about it. And it provided, you know, they were provided with funny bits where he talks to his girlfriend in a, uh, I guess, a fancy garden and has a picnic on the floor. And they're all there talking over him. And uh, they can't, you know. Is it just me, or was their relationship too reasonable for you to care? Which whose relationship? Thomas and Anne. They're not very interesting, are they? One's uh, what's no. (laughs) (laughs) They they weren't even really fighting. I put down arguing in my notes, but he she complained a little bit that he didn't want to meet their parents, and then he said he would. It's like, really? That's the drama we're going with here? But he won't commit because something to do with people leaving you, like the ghosts of your childhood left, and I can't can't settle down with anyone because uh, what if I he'd lose them, I think is the trauma he's working with supposedly. <clears throat> I think that the lack of stakes in this is the problem. 
Like we got a lot, and also bland characters. Like the four ghosts they've chosen are not that interesting. I don't think their backstories are particularly interesting, and they learn nothing. Well, they learn you know how to get over their problems, so they can go in a buster wherever the afterlife. But they like yeah, they dodge a lot of interesting things that could have been mentioned. For example, a black woman from the fifties dealing with things in the present day. You know, there's a lot to work with there. They didn't do anything. Yeah, I mean, you know, she was doing quite well in the 50s as well. She had like a middle-class existence. Her only problem is that, oh, she works nights. I mean, the main problem is they all fucking died on a bus. I think that was sadder than any of their, oh, no. Like, it's like it's the same. The, the things they've left unfinished are just, oh, that's a shame, but it don't matter. Like, your children have lost their mother. It doesn't matter if you know where they are or not. Uh, now that they're like adopted and older and grown up and like the stamp thing, I mean, who gives a fuck? Like, like this, I don't know. So glad they flushed him as soon as they could. <laughs> his hair is so weird. I, I put his hair off putting. Uh, what's his name again? Milo. Milo, right? Yeah, I just I could I didn't care about any of them, and I didn't care. I mean, I didn't care about uh, Thomas and his girlfriend. So there's a lot of, like, fucking, so what? And then the the concept's quite interesting, but I don't know that they do heaps with it. They've got a few ideas for what could be comical scenes, but nothing, you know, it's, most of the jokes end up in uh, Downey Jr. just not looking the right way to people in real life and ignoring their questions while he talks to ghosts, which is very route one for this sort of premise. They don't the go very bizarre. far the bizarre bit in the boardroom where he was like kissing that guy's head. (laughs) He he does sexually harass people. I don't know why they thought he wouldn't be instantly fired for sexually harassing about three people in a boardroom meeting. He doesn't even go back in and deal. We don't see what happens after he's left the room either. He acts like a maniac and uh, leaves the the office and we're told he gives them an excuse if he he was off his meds or something. Or or on meds. Like, for four people who have cared about him since he was a child, they are very careless with his life. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But that's where the comedy's supposed to come in. I don't know that they had, they they didn't see that there's much potential in it as perhaps I might have. Anyway, we'll come back to the board being room, because that was one of the more funny scenes, I think. But is it... Well, the first thing they have to do after... So jump 34, 30-odd years on... How many actually? How long is it? Because it's what, it must have been about four when they start. So about thirty years, wasn't it? They say about thirty years, yeah. And what? What? Um, what's the reason for we suddenly need to talk to Thomas again? That these ghosts are stuck around him all the time. Because the bus driver who killed them shows up in a ghostly bus. He's <laughs> and come to collect them. their souls. Yeah, informs them he's about twenty years late because, for some reason, the administrative errors in heaven are off the wall. Um, There's a lot to keep that, track of, and that they've been given. You know, they should be lucky because they had this opportunity to set their affairs right before <laughs> they move on, and then it all comes to light that they didn't know any of this, and they are now only have a few days in order to do that. It's a lot like the sort of midlife crisis I'm going through where, oh my God, it's been 30 years and I've done nothing with my life. <laughs> oh no. What have I got to show for it? 
I've been a, a ghost tethered to a boy. I could have done so many things. And I just shat it by sitting about watching, doing nothing, passing comment. Oh, dear. What a plight. So are they given the time frame of, like, you got 24 hours or something? Or the bus it's not that soon. Yeah, it's not that specific. And he, he said that he doesn't necessarily need them all at once. Yeah, as as they tick off each of the um, unfinished businesses, they can depart for somewhere. Why do the murderous, pervy bus driver get to drive the bus in the afterlife to pick him up? Like, what's he got to do with this now? It's his punishment. Is it though? Is it a punishment? What dealing? He says with... he's going to drive the bus for the next five hundred years as penance. Drive the bus where? Picking up souls. So he's the Grim Reaper now? Yeah. Essentially. That's, that's a punishment for being a As opposed to, you know, being in heaven and being in endless bliss. What about all the other accidental deaths that happen? People like Darwinian Lee end their own lives by, you know, being stupid. Do they might also... not be the only one. <laughs> Somewhere there's a very, like, there's just other jobs, like a carpenter who accidentally saws his own head open because he was looking at some porn or something. He has to do carpentry for five... Oh, he has to do soul carpentry? Like, what What does he do? No, no, no. So many... You have to have hurt someone else. The All problem right. was he killed four <clears throat> other people. So, okay, let's say there's a lift maintenance guy who accidentally does a bad job maintaining the lift because he's looking at someone's ass. And uh, you know, four people die in a, in a lift-based accident. Does he get some sort of punishment where he has to take people on the elevator to heaven? Then the usher souls that way. I mean, yeah, what... sure. Well, okay, then. There's just a lot of people. There's a lot of bullshit. That's why there's such a backlog with admin in in heaven. Is they have really unusual, awkward ways to punish people or whatever for their. I don't know. Homicides, or I don't know. I just feel I feel like it's silly. It's just silly, isn't it? Right, that'll do. It's silly. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. So they got this idea uh, that they need to talk to Thomas, and what's the thing they do? They have to sing or something. They have some sort of bullshit about how they need to all focus and tune their energies together to make themselves visible again. So they start singing the song that they all used to sing when he was a kid. Walk like a man. Fuck like an animal. Um. No, yeah, okay. They all sing walk like a man, and then they shit him up in a car, nearly cause a car crash, do they? Oh, no, they do. He's, he's like, he's in hospital after that. There are so many crashes in this movie. I guess they think car crashes are not tragic, but hilarious. So, yeah, he's, uh, you know, screaming because these people who he thought were figments of his subconscious or imagination have come back. He's freaking out. You've got your classic. Can, no one can see them but him. And then they bump, he bumps, he's in, was he in like a psych ward for someone. And he bumps into a woman who can see them for some reason. She never comes back again. It would be really helpful, potentially, wouldn't it? 
it made so much of a deal out of her being able to see them, and then she just shuffles off, and you never see her again. I was like, why can't she? It's not like she was in the fifties at the time and was got a bit of soul on her from the car crash or bus crash, is it? No, she's, she's just, just crazy. Yes, she's crazy, so she can see dead people. Which makes me wonder if the like if the people that she could see are also ghosts. Yeah, because she says she sees them when she's off her meds. I don't know. It's some sort of tasteless um, schizophrenia joke, I think, is it? Yeah, I, don't, it's a, I don't really see the point of it. Don't introduce that if it's not relevant. It's just because they've they've wasted so much time with the setup. Yeah. <laughs> now that it's time to get the payoff, it has, it has to come around to them really quickly, and this is the, the quickest way to do it. Oh, yeah, someone it's... else sees them. I guess you're real. Therefore, I don't have to deal... Like, he would just spend the rest of the film dealing with his mental illness, seeing therapists. Mm. He genuinely would stay in a mental facility, but one mentally ill woman couldn't see them, therefore they're legit, which, you know, is not the rules. Uh, she does do a nice joke about seeing a, a naked guy with a piercing or something, and they're like, what? There's not that guy. She's like, I'm just kidding. I'm just testing you. You're challenging me. I'm challenging you right back. But yeah, she's a waste of time. Uh Anyway, Thomas is is doing the classic, dealing with the ghost in your year, trying to get your life sorted. And uh, they, how quickly do they realise they have to fucking finish everyone's business? Do they all know what the business is? Or it, they... it feels like they get it all done in about 45 minutes. It's quick. I think in a way, the premise could do with more time to breathe. You can't really have a mystery, solve it, and have it be a cathartic... Uh, ending really i guess that's why they keep it simple yeah that's that's my main problem with with the film is they spend a lot of time on the setup of the thing hmm. and for me it's the the more enjoyable part is the first half two thirds and then when they actually come to kind of solving the problems of the ghosts they're all a bit bland and boring and it happens so quickly yeah, it's it's hard to care. Like, yeah, they're not they're not compelling, are they? Like, okay, so there was this guy who was a multi, like a cocky guy with a big quiff and a leather jacket, and he looks a bit too middle aged to be dressed that way. But okay, or have hair that way. But he was a thief. But he did one crime that wasn't, you know, I don't know, robbing. It's okay to rob rich people, but not children. And so when he ripped off a kid's stamp collection that isn't. The modern day equivalent of worth a hundred thousand uh, dollars. They, they fucking what do they do? They have to locate where the stamps are now and just steal them back. Yeah, and, they back to the... and this is exactly just that. The, the 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 point of this is that basically, look, we can do a bit of comedy with a dog chasing them and uh, climbing off a roof and falling, uh, you know, on a drain pipe. To the ground. Good. RDJ got to do some of the sort of Chaplin style comedy that he loves. Or Harold Lloyd vibes, even. Mm. He has played Chaplin, hasn't he, Downey Jr.? Yes. Around about the same time this film came out, I think. Oh, so practicing his stunts then. But it just seemed like whatever. Okay, I don't know why the ghosts are afraid of the dog. They can't get bit, can they? They can only get Junior. 
Uh, although I would say, you know, if they kill Thomas, does he get trapped somewhere and they are all fucked? Like, what happens if the host of four ghosts dies? Like, do does he have unfinished business now? Do they disappear? Does it matter if they go on the bus now? Okay, they had unfinished business, but now they're in heaven or whatever. You know, a kid goes without a stamp book he was robbed of. That's life. Like there's children dealing with the death of their mum, and there's one kid who had his stamp stolen. Oh no! Like who cares? That doesn't matter. That's not big stakes, is it? No, but then Harrison's isn't big stakes either. He didn't sing. Yeah, oh no! Do. It's not like him singing. Him getting over his confidence and singing one time. So you missed out on a lifetime. A, if you'd have got the audition, you wouldn't be on that bus. And B, you didn't get to sing the rest of your life. So it's still a way. It's still just tragic. I think what, for me, it was just like, all these people are sad and dead. And they still are. And their unfinished business, business didn't matter that much. They were just victims of circumstance. And it's like, you can't, it has quite a, fa- a fairly happy ending. It's like, oh, the miserable, the, the, the short lives of these people. You know, I don't know. That's a weird one as well because it is is his unfinished business fulfilled because technically he's not singing in front of the crowd. Well, it's, this is the rule, isn't it, that we invent? I think in the in the stamp collection thing, is it then that they they find out they can possess him? Like uh, the guy who's the robber goes into the body of Thomas and is controlling him when he's is it climbing down and causes it's him the to first... fall. It's the first proper go they have. They knew about it before then, but they haven't really done it properly. Oh, do so they have the boardroom meeting before this then? Yes. Oh, well, that, that's significant. I think that's it, isn't it? It's, he Harris does get to sing live. I mean, he's not him. Everyone just thinks that this uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character can sing really well, I guess. Uh, but he, he, like, Harris possesses him, so he f- feels the performance again he feels the eyes on him he does do the singing so he experiences it in a sense doesn't he yes i suppose it's the you know it's the the acceptance and the the applause of the audience that is his mental state i guess is because they have to feel like they have done something rather than they actually have to do something it's about personal closure not what actually happens yeah, and he, so he gets to sing the fucking American national anthem, and the the audience not only patiently all stand up when he could, like so Thomas is on stage for no reason. He sort of they got past security or whatever, and he's on the stage before a BB King concert of all things, and so he comes on and goes, "Oh, I'm going to sing the national anthem. Please stand." And then he, he waits ages while all the ghosts and him argue, and all of the audience are like. I guess we'll get slightly bored of this, but stand you patiently until the guy gets up the guts to sing. And then they go fucking mad for him. Like, he's the best singer ever. Like, essentially doing, like, a British accent, odd version of the American National yeah. Anthem. It was pretty good, but what did it say? It was, it was, it was, was it good enough for B.B. King to come on and start fucking joining in and, like, the rest of the band to kick in and bring it up a notch? Oh, it, it, but... People in bands love p- pitching in and joining. That's just something they do. 
Oh, there was that like that that shot, like uh, zoom in on like BB King's face, and he's like, he's, he's just like looking at him in wonder. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's a bit much. <laughs> a mediocre version of a fucking stupid national a national anthem is absolutely continue to sit down and pick. You know, I mean, maybe it's a maybe because I'm a Brit. There's no way I'm fucking standing up for God save the Queen. There's a few British people King. do get a bit. What King? BB King. God save BB King. <laughs> it, was, it, it was God Save the Queen the last time I had to be in the vicinity of the National Anthem. God Save the oh, Queen. So that is our National King. Anthem. No, no, what I'm saying is Brits, you know, sometimes hand on heart like to sing it. But I think Americans are a bit more don't you fucking take the knee. You've got to stand up and take your baseball cap off because the National Anthem means something to them, I guess. You know, but what I meant was our National Anthem is Hindlard Vernade. Oh, our, the, the British one, not the Welsh one. I Never still, sung oh, the other one. Oh, I've not been in enough rugby matches to sing the Welsh one either. I don't like singing out loud with people. It's weird. Especially <laughs> National Anthem. Cough. Maybe a karaoke or something. I don't know. It it was it was just a like I mean come on this this rendition of Star Spangled Banner could do one. It isn't that good, and it's, it's quite you know quite a boring thing to be watching in a movie. So oh, great, BB King is playing the national anthem. I'm so excited. Um, but whatever, that dealt with him, didn't it? The bus can come on stage and take him, and BB King can walk through the bus and. He gets on with his concert, despite there being a man facing the wrong way, standing there doing nothing. And the security take a long time to, like, get Thomas off the stage as well. Does BB King have a history of drug use? It might just be that he was particularly out of he's, it. He's seen weirder stuff, I suppose. Whatever. I liked the bus effects for the period. Spooky ghost bus. I will say, with the amount of effects that are going on, it should have been a lot more distracting than it was. Hmm. The floating was odd, wasn't it? It was, but like most of the stuff, like they have them like coming through walls and objects coming through other objects, or just like appearing. And it's like I've seen I've seen things in the late nineties, you know. Early oh, we've done we've done ghost stars in this. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't bat an eyelid at the concept. Once it established it, I didn't think... I wasn't judging it on how good it was. I just accepted it, and they seemed to do it well. Hmm. I think... Uh, I guess the... The odd bits are like... The floating for me is a bit odd, because they're tethered. There's a funny bit outside uh, the, 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 the office meeting he's having where he goes back in, and all the ghosts are pulled backwards, so they all, all the actors have to run backwards awkwardly. <laughs> In a kind of, oop, we've, we've done it again. We're not close enough to him. Like, there's some sort of literal tether. And then, but when they're on, like, when he falls off the roof and the ghosts have to then, oh, we have to float down to him because we're trapped within a certain distance. It's all very odd. It's, all, it's a bit bizarre, this, this, we have to just sit about and stand near it all the time business. Although I did like, there was a couple of times where Milo was just kind of sitting down and was being dragged across the floor because the kid was walking away. Yeah, my, yeah, my... they stopped him doing an upskirt by doing that. Good yeah. for them. My favorite. Milo was an absolute dickhead. <laughs> he was. 
My favourite use of the ghosts lounging about was when uh, Thomas is arrested and the two women are on top of the cop car as it drives away, just sitting there <laughs> yeah. casually. It's very good. I like the ghosts. I just like that. They, they do that a few times of them just kind of like sitting on top of some sort of vehicle as they're driving nonchalantly. Yeah, so that's a good... That's The premise needs to do that joke, and it did effectively. I, I think it, it sort of... Uh, begs the question, okay, so the ghosts have to, phys- they can physically re- react to the world around them. They don't just float like Casper or something. But So they stand and they can sit down, but they have to be within a proximity of the guy. Uh, but they can't touch him until the end where there's a, like a revelation that they, I don't know, suddenly Everything the, about the final that woman scene can was hug. Fucking bullshit. Yes. <laughs> 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 Let's hold off on that one because that's the the final one. Uh, we'll come back to it. You can get your theory out then, Abby. Uh, I want to bring up the board meeting because it was one of the better moments in the film, I think. So, what's this guy's Thomas's job? Is what? Uh, he works from the bank, and he seems to be um, uh, chasing up um, debts. And there was a board meeting with all the top brass. And he was needing to talk for some reason and convince them of something or other? Just briefing them on how it's going with this current case. And at some point, the ghosts decide, we're going to jump in here. And it's like the blonde woman from the bar decides, I'm going to sexually harass the boss and be all flirtatious or something, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. I, 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 I assume that they're deliberately doing that in order to, you know, kind of get his attention and go like, if you're not going to help us, this is what's in store for you kind of thing. Oh, because the initial comedy reaction to the ghosts and their problem is, no, I am Scrooge. I do not listen to people. I don't, don't care about ghosts. I'm doing my life. I'm not helping you with your bullshit. So they but have, he was they butthurt because they, they left him. Oh, he's got abandonment issues, yeah. Hmm. But he's being a prick. I mean, you've got to deal with this. You've got four people shouting in a year 24-7. I would deal with it, frankly. But yeah, Although, he's... Yeah, they could have handled it a bit better. For sure. So after the woman is, like, you know, touching up the boss and stuff, and he kissed kiss her him on the head, he doesn't get fired instantly. Uh, and then someone else jumps in, is it? The Milo yeah. then tries to sexually assault one of the female board members. After this is after they've pointed out that we should the woman ghost decides oh there should be more women on the board and the, the one woman in there's like yeah <laughs> and then it's like but also I'm gonna sexually harass you now as a, as a different character is possessed a man so yeah he, he acts like a fruitcake and leaves excuses himself and then somehow hasn't jeopardized his whole career it's just enough sexual harassment to be funny not enough to get you fired apparently. Does the bank thing come up again? He just abandons, he just excuses himself from his job the rest of the film, doesn't he? Yeah, he calls it sick after that. And I think they would be okay with that. One day. And he was acting like a prick, so yeah. So so they focus on all the dreams and ambitions that these ghosts uh have left unfulfilled or something. Uh stamp book return to some older fat kid, job done. Touching goodbye for Milo that takes ages and is super boring. And I started to wonder, we're not going to have four of these fucking things, are we? Where throughout the film we <laughs> say goodbye lovingly to, uh, to reluctant ghosts as they 
get on a bus to hell or whatever. Oh, that yeah, that was the the, the other thing about why the, the second half doesn't work as well because you can say what you want about the characters, but like the actors all have great chemistry with each other, mm. and yeah. you, you you're taking one you're taking them away from each other little by little, and that chemistry is kind of like going away as the film yeah. goes on. Yeah, they're doing a kind of reverse of who got on the bus at what point thing, aren't they? Where we lose each of the group, and they're a group they've been together thirty years. It's probably some, you know, some of them they spent more time together as a ghost group than they have, you know, with some relatives they ha- had in real life. These are these are people you're breaking up who should have some incredible chemistry and and uh, ghost experience together. And but yeah, more importantly, if you have them leave one by one, you. You don't have the ending of like, did we do it? Did we? Was this the right? Like, it could have been that the stamp thing wasn't the lesson Milo needed to learn, or whatever, or the the business he finished. Like, what if all the ghosts do what they think they had to do, and at the last minute they go, actually, one of you hasn't had the real true revelation. One of you just did something trivial that didn't matter. Like all of you. One of <laughs> you has to confess to that murder. <laughs> Also, the real question is, how were they supposed to do this with a ten-year-old child? Why? Well, I think it was an accident, so it wasn't. They had to. Yeah. Is it? And well, at least with her finding out what her kids were up to, having a kid try and talk to kids makes sense. So that could have worked. But it wasn't. It wasn't on purpose. Was it? it? Wasn't like oh, an angel or God said, oh, you should fucking be trapped with a boy. That was a, that. He was the hindrance to them, I suppose. I guess as spirits, if they were stuck on Earth and they weren't tethered to someone, they could have just cracked on in their own time, be freer, perhaps. Maybe it was just he was a problem rather than a gift. No, but you know what I mean. It's like, you know, there's there's a lot of things a kid can do that a grown adult can't. Yeah. Oh, sorry, the other way around. There's a lot of things a grown adult can do that a kid can't. And like, were they were were they supposed to send this kid in and steal from someone? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Have, have him somehow profess some woman's love to some guy who lives like like a two hour drive away. Well, even as an adult, everything was fucking tenuous and awkward and a sort of <laughs> palaver anyway. So it doesn't like they. That's probably why they waited thirty years, just because the kid wasn't the right solution. Traumatized kid with invisible friends couldn't have solved these problems. They wait thirty years and then they get an adult. No, but the bus the bus driver says like I'm twenty years too late. So like, so he was. They only had like ten years to do it. Ten years is quite a lot, though, as well. You're like, I think we could have had. But but then but then you know, first five years are out because it's a child and they can walk, you know, (laughs) or talk. and there's some shit about new babies are born every day, so the souls need to go. And it's like, wait, are these people who have unfinished business going to restart as babies anyway? What's it matter? Is it's a little gonna... confusing about that, isn't it? It it's is, bit, yeah. It's all very arbitrary. There's, there's a bit of like reincarnation going on, but at the end, they're kind of like there's new stars that light up, suggesting that they're now stars. Like, so it's, it's just it's any old bollocks will do. We haven't thought about this. <laughs> It's just any excuse, any ghost concept that fits. Everything in terms of everything they do is for convenience rather than like concept. So that that bugs me. 
Anyway, speaking of tenuous horse shit, so Thomas has got himself arrested a couple of times by what's the what's the first reason? It's um, not just talking like a prick in the street, is it? Because car related parking or something, I can't remember. Yes, parking tickets. Oh, he's got unpaid. He's got a back catalogue of parking tickets. They find yeah, he accidentally parks by a fire hydrant. And then the guy giving the ticket notices he's got all these expi- all these other tickets, so he has to take it down to the police station. And the Which guy was g- Thomas's own problem that had nothing to do with the ghosts. Yes, he's just they, because the ghosts weren't talking to him anymore. He's become a bit of a prick. It seems a successful bank manager type prick who parks illegally all the time and has money to just pay his way out of it. Um, so. What's the second thing that because the police officer like keeps cropping into him uh, and being like, "Oh, are you again!" Like, what's the second time where the guys, what are you he's doing arrested. now? He's, yeah. he's arrested for the concert. Oh right, yeah. So it's the concert thing. He's arrested for that. Yeah, yeah. And then so this guy is the it's the most like really because they've established that what's an Penny's children were adopted and they're living far away from where they currently are. So you're like, well, the clock on this isn't going to work out. And there's absolutely no way they could find her adopted children and, I don't know, say goodbye one last time. I mean, she already said goodbye to them. She, like, did a special song, hug song with a kid, one of them, and said goodnight. So she's dead. It's not unfinished. She's just so unfortunate that that she died. But I guess she wants to know that they're all right. And so when they don't know how to find them, they guess they talk to, like, a woman who has lots of cats, and it's like a woman from the old neighbourhood and yada yada, and then the cop, while giving a row to Thomas, uh, is interrupted by his wife turning up with a baby. So he's sort of, Thomas is talking to the ghosts and ignoring the cop. And then the cop's ignoring him and talking to his family. <laughs> and then they just go, wait a minute. Is your name Billy? Do you have a special hug, hug song with your mum? Do we have all these details that only your ghost mum could be telling me in my year? And uh, yeah, so it turns out. And then it had the most awkward someone. hug ever. <laughs> well, it would be awkward, wouldn't it? Because conceptually, it's awkward because it's just a random, dirty man in the street. What happens, Abby? Uh, Penny possesses him briefly just so she can hug her son. It would have been fine if she hadn't said anything. What did she say? Whispered. She said, "It's like I never left you." <laughs> <laughs> well, she didn't. She died. And she did leave because she didn't spend herself tethered to her son watching over him. She spent it tethered to some other kid watching over him. So she did leave. Yep. I don't know why she said that. And also, what is she a single man? There was no father in the picture then. Apparently yeah, not, no. If they were adopted. Yeah. And then so the two other kids that she didn't love as much because she didn't sing them the special hug song. Oh, fucking hug a was it hug? I can't even remember. Hug a bug bear, right? Something like that. Anyway, so they have this like, oh look, I have uh, my son is a grown up to be a cop, and oh look, I have a granddaughter. Come look at my granddaughter. I'm so happy. I can move on now. Let's get in the ghost bus. I um, think the bus driver spoke for all of us when he said, "No, I don't want to get involved. I'm going to stay over here." Yeah. <laughs> It's been 30 years. I can't even. Who cares? 
Well, you know, you would have, you did, you know, forget it. Just, right, anyway, she fucks off then. Uh, you know, Tubman gets on the bus, <laughs> gets the seat she wants, and pisses off. <laughs> and then we're left with, uh, let's find my ex boyfriend who left me because I was a bit reluctant woman, like blonde woman. And they track down to a farm he owned. Uh, the farm that he owned that she didn't go to. Only uh, he did. Bummer. So it, that wasn't the reason. That wasn't her unfinished business. Her unfinished business was Thomas, which isn't unfinished business because it was none of your business when you were fucking alive. It's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> An unborn child is it having commitment issues to his It was weird they girlfriend. turned the rain on and off as well. That was bizarre. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like the bus was waiting for her impatiently, and it was, you you suggested Abby while we were watching it that this is God. It's getting mad now. <laughs> Trying to use his rain powers to hurry you up or something. Mm. Oh, something. I don't know. It didn't make sense in the film. It was just, oh, it just rained and then it stopped raining once Downey Jr. was like, wait a minute. It's not, it's not your dead ex-boyfriend you have to talk to. It's... Wait a minute, is he on the bus? Could, is he in heaven? You, if you go to heaven, you could finish your business in heaven then and apologise for not going. And he wouldn't know anyway. Like He spent 30 years presumably married to someone else. So I couldn't give a fuck then, could he? Like, I mean, it's not that. I mean, if she had, if she'd agreed to see him in the first place, go, like go on the farm, she wouldn't be on the bus and wouldn't be dead. Like, she'd get on the bus to chase after him. So she, she's not finished her business. She has cursed herself. She died because she dragged her feet about committing to a relationship and didn't resolve that, but has proven that you should commit to people when you're not ready. That's the lesson we learned, isn't it? It's no matter what, start a serious relationship whether you want to or not, isn't it? Yes. I'm really annoyed that they left her to last because it's a fucking nothing story. They're mostly all seize the day. Well, no, two of them are seize the day, isn't it? There's the sing when you don't be afraid, sing and you know, um, don't get stage fright. And then one is, you know, have a relationship, don't be afraid. And then one's, I already love my kids, I hope they're all right. And then one is, give some stamps back. (laughs) They're really, it's a weird mixed bag of problems. So they definitely fall in different camps of importance. But yeah, they do. They learn the lesson of the girlfriend who you've already had to lie, like you've already had to tell lies to. Like Thomas has told his girlfriend a bunch of times, uh, yeah, I will come meet your parents, but not today. Oh, well, fuck you then. That's it. Like you you literally just got through saying how you're going to change and you're going to meet my parents. And then I offer you that opportunity, like, ah, but I'm dealing with ghosts, so I'm going to make up a lie again, work stuff. So and then I'm the- at the concert you're at. I don't know you're there, and then she's annoyed that he's d- doing it. Why wasn't she surprised? Why wasn't she like, what the fuck are you doing here? What? Why, you, why did you do the national anthem and then get arrested? What was that about? I mean, when you we watched this multiple times, Anthony, did, you never, did it never bother you, this, the finer points of this film? I mean... 
Well, first of all, I was a kid, so I probably just liked ghost hijinks uh, <laughs> at the time. But uh, I didn't. I, uh, it's probably nostalgia, but I, I had personally had a pleasant time watching it. Like I said, it's it you know it's it's not a great film, but it's not like totally detestable either. It's just just kind of pleasant. It's like it's like a light melodrama. I seen I, I I read a couple of reviews from the time, and they were all like, "Oh God, it's so schmaltzy and melodramatic," and it's like it is, but like it's just it's just enough. It's not like they dial it up to eleven all the time. It's like it's just pleasantly schmaltzy. It is very, very schmaltzy. I think it's a bit corny or cheesy or whatever. I don't think I wouldn't say it's melodramatic because it's not that dramatic. Like nothing is all it's that. Just mellow. <laughs> just mellow. <laughs> yeah. It, it's yeah. It is. It's just like okay. The, it's dramatic in that there's lots of death in it. Um, it's not even. It's death that isn't dealt with in a tragic way either. Um. It's just so, it's quite shallow and very, very, like, everyone's so nice and cute. And all of the comedy is quite mild, apart from sexual harassment. That's pretty off. But it's just, it's kind of like, it's not a big slapstick piece. Like, it's conceptually not all that innovative. It's got a, it's got some ideas, but it's sort of just farting around. And, like, it's just, oh, the people are boring. I think, you know... When you're a kid, you're not casting a critical eye. You're just enjoying the silliness of it all and seeing what's happening. And, you know, there's a bit of mileage in Downey Jr. messing around weirdly and acting strange. I could have done with more of it, to be honest, more possessions, more silly behaviour because ghosts are tampering with him. I think I would have liked it if they were more malicious. They were so nice as ghosts. They kind of didn't care about themselves and they were trapped for 30 years. And they just put up with it. Till now. I think there should have been less of them, so they each had more time possessing his body. Yeah, and maybe an antagonist, because all they've got is the ticking clock of the bus conductor, and he's a prick anyway, because they should all hate him. Like, there's not enough, there's not enough antagonism generally. That's I think helps the schmaltzy quarter go up, because it's all sort of lovey dovey and. Uh, sentimental Pleasant. and yeah, it's just and that doesn't make for an exciting film, that makes for just um, saccharine rubbish, I guess. I don't know, I, I mean, obviously, I had no nostalgia coming to it, but uh, I don't even know conceptually what the fuck they were doing. It like, why are we waiting 30 years? Just I don't know, I could contrive something a bit more streamlined to happen so we don't fart around for so long or. Do more with what you got as an idea. Bigger stakes, bigger concepts, bigger life lessons than just, you know, go meet your in-laws. <laughs> what if their relationship ends? It was all for nothing, was it? They're going for the true love angle. Right. And it's an 80s... It might be 1991, but it's coming out of the sort of 80s school of and they lived happily ever after in corporate America. Sure. I, I think, like films like um, A Matter of Life and Death, and It's a Wonderful Life, I feel like there are bigger messages at play. It's big, you know, don't be a Debbie Downer, seize the day type storytelling, with with you know tackling with you know quite serious stuff. And this takes serious issues like you know mass death, 
quite lightly and it just um it feels lesser because it treats things with less importance and less gravitas uh, it's a very light frothy film and that's probably to its detriment whereas like classics like a wonderful life it has a big something big to say and it says it in a big fun way uh with some mind bending science fiction ideas played out in in interesting ways you know they're all slightly cribbing off of Dickens and the Christmas Carol a little bit, and they like, oh, well, oh, it's a wonderful life, is but like, what? How many of these stories are there? Do you guys think of any other films that are like people dealing with ghosts, teaching them a lesson, or um, life and death situations being averted? Do you know what I mean? Are, are there any things like this concept? Ghost Dad and ghosts I've mentioned already. <laughs> It's not that I've seen that is quite like it. It's like they have had an original idea. They just haven't made the most of it. Yeah, like there's other films with guardian angels, isn't there, where they're sort of helping you out until you've or until you've figured something out important. Or yeah, like fairy Michael's godmothers. Sort or of a bit like this. Sorry, Mike oh fuck, Michael's one of the most pieces of shit I've ever seen. That drum Travolta one. Yes. Fuck off. That can fuck right off. This is much better than that. <laughs> that woke me up no end watching that tripe. Anthony, are there any other films that this puts you in mind of? No, none, none that come into mind at the moment. That's okay. I just think, um, I mean, it didn't help about falling asleep watching it. It really was a bit of a snore for me. Uh, generally, I just thumbs down. Just too lightweight, too ill thought out, too schmaltzy. Not enough crime. Well, there was a heap of murder <laughs> of culpable That's true. for something that involved so much death and mayhem. It's really quite calm. And I mean, I ju- I watching a lot of Jack at the minute, and I just watched an episode of Jack where there's a big storyline about a stolen stamp collection thing. So. A couple of uh, really expensive stamps uh, stolen, and lots of people are dead. It's quite a good episode. So maybe I'm like, ah, oh, stamp crime again. This is boring compared to that. <laughs> it's very niche. Yeah. In a way, this is sort of it's very up my alley in the sense of, oh, it nearly worked. I could see what they were trying to do. They just didn't quite get there, and I have a lot of patience for a film that tried so hard but it didn't quite get there oh, fair enough but you Anthony, what's your last uh, last word on it before we say goodbye my, my, same thing just it, it's a very it's middle of the road but if you're looking for something just pleasant to watch and not really think about too much and maybe have a little cry when a when a really sad child is losing his friends then this is the film for you or have a little sleep, like I tried to do before <laughs> yes. I got rudely awakened by Harvey saying, Oi. I'm so sorry I made you wake up for the film we have to watch. <laughs> Me too. Apology accepted. And that was the lesson that the ghosts wanted us to learn, is you're sorry for waking me up through this rubbish. Next time, sleep through it. So rude. <laughs> anyway, uh, catch us next time for another film chat about another film. Toodle pip. Bye. Bye.